Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As Arlen Suderman joins us today from FC Stone, the market did not close early today. Folks think, you know, ahead of a holiday, we should see an early close. But it's kind of crazy. We will see that early close come Friday. But it's probably a good thing, Arlen, it didn't close early today. Even though it was kind of a quieter trade, there's a lot happening within this market trade. Let's first look at the lower numbers we saw heading into this holiday. Winter weather, did that have a big part of it? Yeah, it certainly is. There's a lot of farmers probably would have liked to have the markets close the way they behaved there in the final minutes of trade, especially the corn market and even the wheat market turning lower. Uh, winter weather certainly a problem with this last storm that went through, and it's going to be followed closely on the heels by another storm. It's going to be further north than this last one. And, and, and you know, we talk a lot about the snow, and that certainly is an issue, especially for livestock producers, but also for crops that are still in the field. But there's also the wind factor at play as well. And we had a lot of uh, a lot of corn and soybeans, especially corn, still in the field with high winds, gusts of 50 to 60 miles per hour across much of the western half of the Midwest over the last 24 to 48 hours. So. I'm sure we probably had some more lodging and some more field loss. Commodity Weather Group, our partners in the weather fields, um, did some estimation based on the crops that are still in their field. And of course, it still comes down to, to, to making some estimates on, you know, what field losses are going to be. But they were basically estimating that these two storms back to back could, could cause enough field loss to account for 2% of the national crop. If that verifies, that'd be about another 270 million bushels of corn lost. Unfortunately, we probably won't know the total losses for quite some time because some of those fields in the Dakotas that uh, got caught get caught in this week's snows probably won't be harvested until the spring thaw. So it'll be a while before we really know what the field losses are in those cases. Yesterday morning, you were talking in your report about the number of bushels that are still sitting in the fields and it's kind of hard to wrap your head around it for example nebraska you said right around what 124 million bushels and it just gets worse the farther north you head it really does um now iowa led the way this is this is going by usda's crop progress numbers or percent harvested as of sunday so some got harvested on monday maybe tuesday ahead of the storm system um, but then based on production in those states, and obviously yields are expected to be higher in a state like Iowa than they are expected in North Dakota. But putting all that together, uh, Iowa le- led the way with 352 million unharvested corn bushels as of Sunday. Um, then you go to uh, North Dakota, uh, 100, excuse me, 329 million bushels, 189 million bushels still in the field in South Dakota, 174 million in Minnesota, and then the 124 million that you mentioned in Nebraska. So that's a lot of corn still vulnerable out there. But unfortunately, the market doesn't care until USDA says it should care. And uh, so that hasn't happened at this time. And so uh, we just continue to grind lower. Isn't that the million-dollar question as to when that will happen? 
Exactly right. USDA is now focused on its January crop report. That's actually a series of reports which include its final production numbers for 2019 and its quarterly stocks numbers. In other words, how much corn, how much soybeans, how much wheat is in all positions on farm and off farm as of December 1st. And they'll spend the first two weeks of December surveying farmers, surveying grain elevators, etc., to draw those numbers in. And for the unharvested crops, they will simply ask farmers, yeah, what's harvested, but what's, how many bushels are still in the field? How many acres, you know, are out there? What, what, what do you have harvested and unharvested? And so what's still in the field would be considered on-farm stored corn, believe it or not, for their quarterly stocks report. And also they'll take those farmer estimates and incorporate them into their production estimates. Interesting. Now let's, let's head to the south because as we've had to deal with harvest pressure, uh, there's a lot of issues to the south, some dryness and looking at that crop in South America, what are you hearing? I, I was checking those numbers today, and ironically, the soybean belt in Brazil is having one of its driest growing seasons on, of the last 40 years. But if you look back at other similar years, they still got above-trend yields in some cases. And so the opportunity is still there, partially because normally they get so much more rain than what they need to produce a crop. Second of all, it's been well distributed. It's been spread out a little all the time going along feeding the crop, and so crop conditions are still quite good. Trade talks with China just kind of have hit a stalemate. Is it going to be 2020 before we make any movement? You know, I think we may be pretty close. Uh, and one of the things I'm watching is President Trump's failure yet to sign the Hong Kong relief bill. Uh, I think that that is expected to come, but he may be thinking we're close enough. Both sides now are saying we're extremely close and they're optimistic. USMCA as well. Uh, eight days, you said, left in the schedule. That one does not sound as optimistic. Yeah, I looked at the congressional calendar today, and there are just eight days left. You know, when it came to the Hong Kong bill passed by the Senate, the House found a way to get it voted on real quick within a day or two. Um, so they can get done what they want to get done, but I just don't see the willpower to do it. And how does the market, is it even paying attention to that at this point? No, they're really not. And uh, that's something that could have a big long-term effect. And, and I think they're just right now focused on China. All right. Well, stick around, folks. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about China. Obviously, that leads into what's been happening with African swine fever. And we'll talk some exports before we really dive fully into the livestock. More is coming up on this pre-holiday Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as Arlen Suderman continues to join us. Before we jump into the livestock, uh, let's talk about exports. And you had made a comment um, that we are seeing some tightening going on in Brazil. What does that mean for us? Yeah, when we look at exportable supplies of corn and soybeans in, in South America, they've really been stealing the market for quite some time, especially on corn. But the exportable supplies are starting to tighten up now. And, in fact, there's some evidence Brazil may have exported too much corn and may have left them with insufficient supplies now to get to their uh, their new crop harvest. 
And so they may actually need to import some corn. Now, they can import corn from Argentina or Paraguay, um, but some of the northern areas we could see them import from the United States as well uh, as we go through the next six months. But overall, we're seeing those exportable supplies tighten. We're seeing basis strengthen significantly over the last few weeks. And uh, that does seem to give us a window of opportunity to increase our export sales and shipments for corn uh, to customers where we can compete on a freight basis. Ukraine also has new crop ship uh, supplies available uh, and will be competing in some of those markets where we have a freight disadvantage. But I think we should see that uh, improved corn export demand here until South America gets some new crop supplies available. Well, having said that, as we as we look at the livestock side, obviously what's going to happen with grains is going to have an effect on, on feeding our livestock. But export sales and livestock, an interesting tie that comes in from the USDA, maybe cracking the whip a little bit? Yeah, exactly right. As you know, in, in the grains, we have a daily reporting um, system that uh, the law requires that if you sell over 100,000 metric tons, uh, in a particular day or grouping of sales a total of that that you have to report it into their daily reporting system and then all that goes all sales go into a weekly report and that's something that's required and that uh, is uh, supposed to be uh, tightly held to and livestock usd has their weekly export sales reports but a lot of companies really have not been adhering to that real well. And we get the monthly census crush, or census export sales that are delayed by two or three months. That means everything that goes offshore does get inspected and looked at and eventually gets added up. But sometimes it's much later than what the market should have known in order to respond to that. And the census numbers wouldn't always add up to what we were getting in the weekly sales numbers. And then this year, we've seen some weeks where all of a sudden we'd have a big surge in sales of of pork export sales, something like that. And then USDA would say, oh, that wasn't all during this week. There was a bunch of late uh, past weeks that were thrown in here that finally got reported. That was really frustrating the industry. USDA was getting an earful from the industry. And so USDA is now cracking the whip, so to speak, and really trying to enforce it. Put out a notice this week to make sure that companies are reporting when they're supposed to be reporting so that the market has the information it needs to really know how much is China buying and when is China um, making those purchases so the market can respond accordingly. Can that give maybe some balance then to this livestock market? Well, I I think it'll give it a little bit more certainty. Um, Ultimately, we need to see more demand. Now, we are seeing China stepping up their both purchases and shipments, uh, but I think a lot of buyers have been waiting to see if we would get a trade deal, phase one trade deal that would lift the tariffs. Uh, When you look at global pork prices, we have some of the cheapest pork prices around, but the tariffs on U.S. pork charged by Chinese government are so high that it makes it uncompetitive. And so uh, removing those tariffs can make a big difference. Any new updates on African swine fever? Continuing to spread, no difference there. We've seen, uh, you know, they've been feeding their hogs uh, anywhere from 33 to 40% heavier than normal to holding them on feed to get more profit from that. Um, But there has been a fear that as we move into December in a colder weather pattern, that we would have an increase in the disease outbreak killing more animals. 
and if that's the case, those who are feeding would be at risk. So we've had a surge of slaughtering activity here over the last few weeks that has pushed prices down near term. That's expected to reverse again as we go into December. Real quick, what are we thinking as we head into the Friday trade after having a day off for Thanksgiving? Friday's trade can be very erratic, um, tends to be negative for soybean prices by a few cents. Corn can be either side of it, but very erratic, very thin trading volume. You could probably do all the trading that happens on Friday in an hour's time. It will be a shortened trading day ending at 12.05, starting at 8.30. Um, but uh, thin volume, you can get things pushed around pretty good if everyone happens to line up on the same side of those who still are trading. All right, sounds good, Arlen. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? INTLFCStone.com or over on Twitter. My handle is ArlenFF101. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss and are not suitable for all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers. Pick it up as a podcast through RuralRadio.com or wherever you subscribe to podcasts. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.